From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Demand can be a little bit more challenging. What we settled on for our practice is the number of scheduled appointments by scheduled date. We know that that's not a perfect measure because you will inevitably get a a phone call from a patient who wants an appointment and let's say your next available is three or four weeks out, they hang up, they never schedule. Um, We have tried in the past to manually count those, but it can be challenging. So the metric that we landed on is the number of scheduled appointments by date scheduled, regardless of when the appointment occurs, the schedule was important. That's Sarah Turley talking about developing strategies on measuring patient appointments. We'll hear more from Sarah on how she's developed processes for balancing the supply and demand of patient access. But first, a word from our sponsors. How has the coronavirus pandemic impacted your organization? To protect patients and staff, you've likely had to make fast and significant changes to check-in and payment processes. Join Ability Network at the Medical Practice Excellence Conference for a Spark session on Monday, October 19th at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time. There, you can discover ways to enhance revenue through this pandemic and beyond. And attendees will receive a complimentary copy of the insightful book by Kim Tolliver and Shante Moheiser, Revenue Cycle Management, Don't Get Lost in the Financial Maze. The Roaring Twenties, when inventors introduced the automobile, radio, the assembly line, refrigerators, and television, and were told it would never work. Well, look how that turned out. And welcome to the new Roaring Twenties. Healthcare needs solutions that help them find the same efficiency offered by that automobile or assembly line. That's why UpDocs combines electronic fax, secure texting, video chat, and electronic forms into one unified box. This helps healthcare providers get more done. UpDocs wants to help MGMA members take advantage of it all by offering you a 20% discount on your first 12 months. Visit info.updocs.com MGMA to learn more. As practices struggle to adapt to shifts in patient volume and changes in virtual visits, Sarah Turley, Chief of Staff at Rush University Medical Center, has found success in this new normal by balancing the supply and demand of patient access. In this one-on-one conversation, recorded live in front of an MGMA audience, Turley shares the strategic initiatives her practice has employed. She also discusses the role technology, staffing, and marketing have played in helping her organization optimize patient access. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, happy to be here. Sure, now we're gonna be taking a deep dive into your practice's success story, and it's a success story with patient access Uh, First, let's get a better understanding of your practice. 
what's the size and scope of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm thrilled to be here today. Thank you for having me. Um, and it's worth noting that when I joined my current organization, I actually uh, was in a role that was exclusively focused on patient access and driving that initiative for our entire medical group. Um, so I did that for a little while with some colleagues um, and then uh, went on to manage our cardiovascular practices. So we had uh, about 50 providers across three hospitals and several ambulatory locations throughout the Chicago land. So that's a bit, little bit about the size and scope of the practice. Okay. Now, as I was mentioning earlier, you're the chief of staff at Rush University Medical Center. Um, I've got to believe it. As chief of staff, you have a lot on your plate. So um, what is your major role? What are you really focused on as it relates to patient access then? Well, patient access is absolutely an institutional priority uh, for our medical group and, and for our senior leadership team. We're very focused on it right now. And um, I think what, what we're trying to do is set some targets and make sure that all of our practices have the know-how and the resources to be able to, to meet the goals that we're setting forward. Uh, we operate in a very competitive landscape in Chicago, several medical centers and health systems, uh, five academic medical centers in our region, for example. And so we know that access is a strategy to help drive things like volumes and financials. And, uh, and so, you know, it's forefront of all of our minds right now is how we achieve these, these goals. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, now, you came to my attention because you had written uh, an article. You co-authored it. It appeared uh, on MGMA.com. You used a really interesting term when thinking about patient access and building out a strategic plan. It has to do with uh, supply and demand. That was a term I was familiar with from business school, but I hadn't really thought about it so much um, in the healthcare setting. So. Talk about that. Talk about this supply and demand angle uh, as it relates to patient access. Yeah, so two of my colleagues and I wrote this paper, and it's really coming from some work that we did years ago, the position I mentioned when I first joined my organization. And we were really wanting to figure out how do we best measure, quantify, uh, and improve patient access. And so we started with some simple economics of supply and demand, where we would articulate supply as what's the number of appointments of available time slots, if you will, um, that we're offering in this marketplace. So we would look at it at the individual provider level, the practice level, and then in my practice later on, I went to look at it at the subspecialty level. So in cardiovascular, you have you know, um, many different types of cardiologists, for example, electrophysiology intervention. So we would look at it at that level as well and say, what's our supply? And then what's our demand? And we quantify demand as uh, the requests for incoming appointments. Um, so we would take a time period like one month and we would say, you know, within cardiology, what's the supply that we have available and how many incoming requests for appointments and look at it from that perspective. Okay. So let's go even deeper on this topic then. Um, you keep talking about measuring and being able to, you know, really examine what these numbers, what these results are telling you. So what, when you're studying demand, what are the metrics that you really need to be aware of? 
So demand is interesting and it's a challenge to get sometimes. Um, I think on the other hand, supply, you can, you can usually pull reports from your electronic medical record to see how many either dedicated slots or you, know, you can count them up in some form or fashion and hopefully you're, you're able to do it in an automated way. Demand can be a little bit more challenging. What we settled on for our practice is the number of scheduled appointments by scheduled date. Um, and the article does outline this and give, give some, um, some insight into how you can, how you can measure this. Um, we know that that's not a perfect measure because you will inevitably get a, a phone call from a patient who wants an appointment and let's say your next available is three or four weeks out, they hang up, they never schedule. Um, we have tried in the past to manually count those, but it can be challenging. So the metric that we landed on is the number of scheduled appointments by date scheduled, regardless of when the appointment occurs, the scheduled date was important. We went on, and, and also the article talks about this, but we went on to differentiate between unique demand and total demand is what we called it. And unique demand would be specific to unique number of patients. Okay. So I, as a patient, could call in, make an appointment, and then the next day call back and say, you know, I need to reschedule. And as a practice, you have to account for both. You want to know how many individual patients scheduled and are requesting that appointment, but also what by what rate is that increased because people are rescheduling and trying to understand all of that, you know, because that comes into, uh, speaks to the rework that goes on for your practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's look at the supply side then. You said some of that might be in place better than demand, but um, what are the measurables then? What are the metrics that you're studying to make that work? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we started out by, by measuring the number of dedicated appointment slots in a provider's template. Um, and again, at the provider level, practice level, or subspecialty level. And um, at some practices will not use dedicated blocks. Um, some practices will have dedicated blocks. So it'll be a little bit specific to how you schedule your appointments. Um, but, but that's a good starting point is how many appointments do you make available to new patients is what we're primarily focused on. Um, and hopefully that's easy enough to capture and then to assess how does that compare then to the incoming appointments. Okay. Okay. Now, one of the aspects here that that you've written about you and i talked about offline is technology so it does look like you're incorporating some different uh technological tools here to make some things happen but then how does that translate how have you used technology to help improve that interaction with patients then yeah absolutely um in so many ways over the years technology as it's gotten better and made life easier for all of us and, and especially our patients, um, it's created what I call, you know, more front doors, more ways for patients to access us and to schedule appointments. And so I think it really um, causes us to, to be able to need to focus on measuring um, access through those various front doors. So for example, if somebody wants to make an appointment online, uh, there are different scheduling systems that people, practices might use, uh, phone calls, kind of the traditional method. Um, but really, you know, I would say it's, it's made life easier in some ways, but it's also expanded the need to capture data at those touch points as well. Okay. Um, let's talk about 
further strategies in. Let's kind of, I mean, we're sort of in a, uh, for lack of a better term, a COVID-19 era. It's, it's changed a lot. So let's start talking about then what your access strategy, getting in touch with those patients was like pre-COVID-19. And then mm-hmm. as we're experiencing it now, what were the shifts that you had to make there? So if a patient sees a primary care physician, that provider enters an order of referral to cardiology, for example, but it hasn't yet been scheduled, could we have some of the coordinators in cardiology proactively call those patients and offer to schedule? That's a way to increase your demand. Um, Similarly, if if you're needing to increase your supply, what we uh, really write a lot about in our article is, you know, focus first on your internal capacity. Um, and we have actually a second article coming out in October that, that gives some pretty um, really neat tools and, and uh, more of a prescription on how do you uh, in, assess and then increase your internal capacity. But once you've done that task internally, you might look to things like um, additional advanced practice providers to help your physicians or recruitment. Um, so once you have this assessment, it really does inform next steps. This is a lot of the work that we did pre-COVID. Now, COVID came about and all of a sudden we saw demand just completely plummet. Um, and so what we did was we said, well, you know, because of the economic environment um, that we're all operating in and in Chicago, we're largely still fee-for-service, um, we needed to increase our surgeries, our elective cases. So what we did was we, we took what we were hoping would be a novel approach in our market, and we made same day or next day available appointments for surgeries and procedures. That has been a real focus of ours in the last couple of, you know, month or so. Um, because it's, you know, otherwise your, your metrics are all off because of COVID. Demand mm-hmm. just completely decreased. What does that do then to make same day like that? I mean, are you, how do you staff it? How do you um, make sure that you're available and ready to, to take on any patients that you get like that? What adjustments have you had to make? Yeah, so a lot of our visits have transitioned to um, telehealth visits. Okay. Uh, some just haven't because of the nature of the appointments. So, you know, I'll use endocrinology, for example. Um, it, certainly a lot of the appointments can take place remotely. It's a great patient satisfier. And so we worked as hard as we could to shift any appointments that could be done remotely, remotely. Other um, specialties in cardiology is one of them, not just because of the nature of the specialty, but because of the the population of patients um, tends to be older in adult cardiology. Um, Those folks uh, tend not to embrace technology as much or have more challenges with it. um, And the providers themselves felt like they needed to examine the patients. So really working practice by practice to figure out which, which visits can be done remotely which need to be done in person. Um, And certainly we had to limit the in-person appointments pretty significantly. Um, But by and large, our providers wanted to get back to work and sort of restore the quote-unquote normal operations in the peri-COVID environment. Right. And some of our other speakers have discussed this as well, but wanted to get it from you. Um, What have you done in in the office then for that space to kind of make those patients who are coming in face-to-face to keep them safe, to keep your staff safe? What, what kind of adjustments have you made there? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we've had to do a lot uh, to make our patients safe and then to communicate that as well. I think communication has been a big piece of it to make sure that patients know that they shouldn't delay care, they should come back and that we are safe. And so some of the things that we've done is we've limited the entrances to our medical center. So we've really narrowed that down. And then when, when staff, physicians, patients come to our medical center, everybody's temperature is taken and we have mandatory masking. Um, obviously, we've done a lot to increase, you know, the cleaning, the cleanliness, the room turnover, you know, those sorts of tactics. Um, and we still have visitor restrictions in place. Um, at one point, we had a parking lot, a cell phone parking lot, like you might see at an airport, um, to minimize the amount of time that patients were actually physically at our medical center. So they weren't really here waiting. They showed up you know, on time at the time of their appointment, they could be notified um, and could immediately be dropped off. So we've done a lot, I think, to reassure the public and to keep everybody safe. Mm -hmm. How have you been doing that communicating? You were talking about that earlier, some marketing messages, some other things that you're doing, but what's been the primary mode of communication to really educate that, that patient population out there? I would say lots of different methods, but you know, at the point of scheduling, reminder calls, those sorts of things. Um, and certainly once you arrive to the medical center, you're seeing a lot more signage and um, you know, we, we physically transformed our hospital. Um, so, so it's very visible when you, when you do show up. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to one thing you had mentioned earlier. I made a note here. You said uh, in October, you've got a new article coming out through MGMA you were talking about the tools. Uh, give us a sneak peek of that. What are some of the tools you're talking about in there? What, what can our uh, participants here uh, glean from that information? Yeah, we're really excited about this one. It, it does a deep dive into capacity or the supply side of patient access. So what we look at is, you know, before anyone will want to, you know, hire additional providers, you really want to optimize your internal capacity. So looking at tools like um, aligning clinical effort, um, setting some standards across the medical group. So for example, in our medical group, we had said, you know, if you're a full-time physician, you should have 1,800 patient-facing hours per year. So looking to see, do they have those hours scheduled, um, setting those internal consistencies, and then measuring it. Um, we, we do a, a lot of um, graphs and visuals, again, to help communicate and get provider buy-in and, and communicate the importance. So this article really maps out how do you assess what people are working, what they should be working, compare it. And then you know, we look at their um, worked hours and compare it to productivity. Um, and then sort of prescribe, what do you do when it's in balance, out of balance, that sort of thing. Their, their hours worked as compared to productivity. Okay. Um, now, <laughs> You're implementing a lot of things. Uh, you're talking about supply and demand, so I can't help but ask, I mean, do you, how steeped in economic theory do you have to be? Or, you know, what level of education or training needs to take place to get the staff up to speed so they can uh, maneuver and, and manage all of these tools you're talking about? You definitely don't have to be an economist. Um, okay. We use those words just, um, our, our goal is actually to, to hopefully help simplify patient access. That's really our goal. We're not trying to overcomplicate it. And I think, you know, in, in my experience, one of the keys to helping, you know, improve your, 
your practice's access is having good provider buy-in. And so I'm really big on providing visuals like some that I've shown you right. um, and, and simplifying it so that we're all on the same page, we're speaking the same language, and we, and we know what's our opportunity to improve. Um, I think data you know, goes a long way. Most of these physicians are, are scientists and respond really well to the data and the visuals. Yeah. You're talking about communicating internally. Earlier, you were talking about communicating to the patients. That's you communicating to them. But then what about the feedback loop? What are you getting back from the patients you're seeing since all of this has been going on? What, what are they telling you? And how is it helping you kind of fine tune things even more? Yeah, we absolutely look at the voice of the customer, our patient satisfaction surveys. We look at the access metrics pretty closely. Um, we have, since March, uh, been in the top decile for patient experience, which we're really proud of. And um, I think that, you know, given everything that's gone on in our environment, I think, we're, I think we're doing pretty well, but we certainly look at those metrics to inform, you know, future steps. Uh, our organization has set that as a really top priority, and we think access can help drive patient experience for sure. Okay. Um, we've covered some of this, but I want to make sure we cover it completely. Um, there's a lot that's been... Uh, that has changed as far as telemedicine is concerned. You've been talking about that already. What has it done to change your strategy? I mean, what have you done differently because there is that virtual element to patient access and engagement now? Mm -hmm. I think for us, it's prompt a lot of discussions about, you know, telehealth hopefully is here to stay. And so what do we want our longer term strategy be. We had to very quickly ramp up our program. We went from just, you know, a few visits a day to very quickly transitioning, you know, the vast majority of appointments to, to um, video visits with our providers. So we very quickly had to teach everybody, uh, you know, patients and internally. But now we've realized it's here to stay and it can be used to our advantage. I think where we can transition appointments uh, remotely and offer that as a convenience, uh, potentially a competitive advantage, we'll see. Uh, we we want to be able to do that. So we're wholeheartedly embracing it and trying to study and understand, you know, what our specific approaches should be right now. We're right in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. What is a patient visit been like, uh, you know, how is it different from that in-office visit versus that virtual visit, or are they basically the same? What are you having to adjust there? Yeah, I think some providers will tell you it's, there's just no replacement for the in-person for certain types of visits. So okay. I think we've had to work with the different specialties and figure out which ones really, which types of specialties and which types of visits lend themselves very well to virtual and which um, really need to be in person. And sometimes it's a combination. So sometimes it's maybe once a year in person and every other can be remote. Um, so it's an individual, we haven't across the board prescribed it, except when we've had to with COVID, uh, mm -hmm. really limit uh, who can come to the medical center. Um, and I think we'll see that continue. I think we'll see certain medicine visits uh, remain virtual and, you know, some that are surgical consults, they may be in person. Mm -hmm. So you've thrown a lot at us today. You guys have already done a lot. You've got, a, you know, your supply demand strategies and, and ways of measuring things. 
it's a lot to take in. So what are some very first steps uh, our listeners can adopt in their own practices? Where would you have them kind of address so they can make some progress here? Yeah, I'm a big believer that, you know, data is so important when you're making especially a large organizational change. If you're having to, you know, uh, get buy-in from providers or from various team members. So I think a current state assessment, you know, get as much data as you can around what your current state of supply and demand are. I think there are a lot of access metrics out there. We happen to also use 14-day access or, you know, what percentage of patients were seen within 14 days, um, seven days, uh, some practices use. So I think you can complement the existing metrics with supply and demand. um, And I would say that's a really good first starting point. Okay. So uh, you've covered this. So now give us some final thoughts then. What, what are your thoughts, your theories now on patient access, how to be strategic, uh, what you've learned from that? Yeah. Um, early on when we were starting this work, we had a practice that um, was not meeting their access metric and you know they needed to to add more providers was our our recommendation and the practice added about six providers all at once and um you know unfortunately i think access is a means to an end and you can have too much supply and that's why i feel really passionate about this balancing of supply and demand and the need to do this assessment because at the time we weren't using supply and demand and the metrics were saying we'll go hire more physicians and we did and then for a while we had them sitting around and that's also a very costly situation so I would say one key takeaway is that, you know, you can have too much, you know, supply or too much access. And and in that scenario that in some ways it's okay, but then you have to, you know, employ some, some different strategic measures like marketing and outreach and, you know, working orders and those sorts of things that we outline. Um, So I think balance is, is key. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I just said that was the final question, but I do have one more. What have you learned then since instituting some of these strategic plans? I mean, how has it helped you as as a leader and as someone who is helping drive patient access at your practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I I think we continue to learn a lot. Um, We we definitely did. I think practices, there's going to be some practice nuance in, in every different type of specialty. I think we've learned that. I think we've mm-hmm. learned that we need to stay ahead of the curve in a competitive market, um, but that access strategies are, are here to stay. They are critical to you know getting new patients into the organization, um, and that we ultimately, this is one key way that we can be easy to do business with. And I think that's important when you're trying to grow your market share and your volumes. Now that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Sarah Turley. You can learn more insights on patient access at MGMA's virtual healthcare event, the Medical Practice Excellence Conference, October 19th through the 21st. Register today at mgma.com slash mpec20. And thanks to Ability Network and to UpDocs for sponsoring this week's show. To discover ways to enhance revenue, 
through this pandemic and beyond, join Ability Network for a Spark session on Monday, October 19th at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time at the Medical Practice Excellence Conference. UpDocs helps healthcare providers get more done with its combined services of electronic fax, secure texting, video chat, and electronic forms. UpDocs is offering MGMA members a 20% discount on your first 12 months. Visit info.updocs.com slash MGMA to learn more. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.